0: Hey, chump, yeah, you, potato head, you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> is that the best game you got, because if it is, you better just grab that free t-shirt and head home.
1: Yeah, man, what the hell
0: are you doing, man? You who'd you bring over here, Mighty Mouse? Oh, man,
1: hey, you know wrong, something, you're wrong.
0: too pretty to play basketball, you, you know that? Hey. You got that big... Big Z in your fro, Yo, man. man. Come on, what you stop already? Hey, man, what are you, the Black Zorro? Oh, man, look what? enough. Hey, no, bad. seriously, you get your head cut at the Braille Institute? What the fuck is Opie Taylor talking get about anyway, Opie Taylor? Opie, oh, hey, oh, oh, I got your on. Opie, you go go big, go bad, gomer pilot, droopy-eyed son Christ. of a bitch. You and the cream and wheat, man, take your ass back to Mayberry and tell Ain't B, she better have my bean pies or I'm going to kick her ass. What are you doing? Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Hey, I'm doing two things. What? What are you doing? I'm making them mad. Most guys don't play good when they're mad. Look, you know, you're embarrassing me. That's what you're doing. Yeah, well, that's the other thing I'm doing. I can't believe this. You know, you're not embarrassing me. You are pissing me off. That's what you're doing. Well, are good. Cause unlike those guys, I assume you play better when you're mad. Am I right? I'm not listening to you. Yeah, but you are hearing me. You're hearing pick me. Pick down, pick Shit. down. Well, we're wow, oh, you. still throwing up bricks. What oh. did I just say to you? What you still throwing up bricks? What is this? A Mason's convention? Oh. What? Clank, clank, I need like a welding torch to play in this league here. I got an idea. Let's stop right now and let's just gather up all these bricks and let's build a shelter for the homeless so that maybe your mother has a place to live, all right? Fuck you, shut up. Fuck that fucker. And your sister too. I want your mother and your sister out of my house immediately.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you listen to this, and welcome to episode 66, I want to say,
2: Yep. yep, uh, yep, yep. and a monkey.
1: Um, we are recording just a couple of days, actually, after we recorded episode 65, uh, which hopefully you have all enjoyed, um, and this week, oh, I've got to answer it, so uh, I'm Matt uh, Bostert, your host, uh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ian Lauren.
3: High guys.
1: Um, And this week we have a a fully regular and uh, normal show, Uh, no triple reviews, no double reviews, no missing marathons or anything like that and we bring you uh, 2014's version of Godzilla and it's by Gareth Edwards, Uh, we also bring you some 101 news and we bring you, is this the penultimate episode of our Untitled John Millions Marathon?
3: Yes, indeed. Yes. Yeah, so, like, because the last one is basically going to be a commentary track for Conan the Barbarian, which yeah. will be released in mid June because I'm on holiday for a week, so we wouldn't have a show otherwise, so we may as well stick it in there. Yes, that's
1: what we're going to do. So we're going to review uh, John Milius' 1991 Vietnam film, Flight of the Intruder. Uh, Along the way, there might be some tangents and we'll cover some trailers and we'll answer some questions that we uh, just didn't get time to answer on the last show and uh, the couple more we've had today. Um, So anything we need to add, Ian, before we we dive straight into it? No, man, I
3: think we're good. Let's do it.
1: Cool. Right, uh, Ian. Uh, what trailers have you been watching?
3: Okay, so yeah, we recorded on Wednesday, and now we're recording on Sunday. But two trailers have been released online, major ones in the intervening period. So, uh, Transformers: Age of Extinction. We talked about the poster um, uh, briefly on the last show. New trailers out. The thing is, I, I'm kind of, I want to kind of give Michael Bay the benefit of doubt after Pain and Gain. Which I really, really liked, but this, I this just kind of looks like let's see how stupid we can get away with being, and I, I just I'm not I, no, I just can't do it unless this thing gets like a Metacritic of 75 or more. I'm not going anywhere near it because if it gets above that level. Then I think maybe, maybe, maybe away from the shackles of Shia LaBeouf and like having to kind of keep all that kind of stuff up and maybe kind of soft rebooting the whole thing with a new cast. Maybe, 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 maybe we could have something. I mean, the trailer doesn't inspire that in me at all. But But being nice. Who knows?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it 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 just looks like a, a Transformers movie to me, to be honest. Um I I've little interest in them uh anyway, really. Um so when I saw it it just it, it felt like another instalment of the, the Transformers thing and they seem to have got more stupid as they've gone along, really. So um
3: I mean, I mean the, the thing that I find interesting about this trailer and the first one I will say is the fact that it is so focused on Mark Wahlberg. Like, the first three, it was about the young characters. Mm. This, I mean, like apart from the girl shouting dad quite a lot, yeah, there's really not... I don't think we've heard Jack Rainer, um, who's playing, like, the, the kind of the lead buff love interest. Mm. I don't think we've heard him speak in these two trailers.
1: Well, it, it, it could just be that he's just terrible and they've gone, oh... Should we just, have, should we just sure shots of him looking buff, and that's it. I mean,
3: the thing is, he was in—he was the lead guy in Lenny Abrahamson, uh, director of Frankly, talked about last week, his film What Richard Did. Yes, and he's fantastic. He is great. And Michael Bay has basically said he cast him because he saw him in that and thought that kid's great.
1: But I, I, what I would say is if, if anybody can turn a great actor into a, a boring, charismaous void, it's Michael Payne. Mm. Mm. Uh, and this is for somebody who actually, like you, um, really like Pain and Gain. Uh, I, I think that, that part of it is um, Wahlberg is a bit of a safe bet when it comes to, to box office nowadays. Sure, so I think that, that's what it is. So I think they've looked at that and gone, well, we'll mark it as a transformers movie and we'll get that audience but we'll also market it as a mark Wahlberg movie and um, you know that is a slightly it's a slightly different audience that they'll, that they'll pull in
3: yeah no i mean I, I that's i mean frankly if it wasn't for the mark Wahlberg inclusion my interest in this would actually be zero yeah
2: you I,
1: know? I, I think yeah the, the reason the only reason why i i watch it is because Although Matt Wahlberg, it might not be, you know, one of the, you know, great actors of his time. He does um, have an on-screen charisma. He, he does have a presence. He does make entertaining films. Yes, they are the odd duds out there, but for the large part, if you look over his, you know, his career, especially the past kind of, you know, twelve, I'd say sort of ten, twelve years, he's he turns out some pretty decent blockbuster entertainment.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, I yeah, no, totally. I mean, he's he, he is dependable, and I like him generally. I mean, the thing is, this will do a billion dollars worldwide without breaking a sweat. And it would just be, and um, just because based on name recognition alone, as yeah. much as anything else. And it would be interesting if they did actually try something a bit different, because it is, it's guaranteed to make a shitload of money. So, I don't know, it would be nice if Michael Bay did actually get a bit experimental and try something. But it looks like the most experimental we've got here is Optimus Prime riding a dinosaur.
1: And I think Bear is... is Bay's whole kind of career is just, look, I'm a success because it's made money. That's it. He's he's there to make money. I don't think he's there to have kind of... I think with Pain and Gain, he saw an interesting, fun story that he could kind of, you know out there, I don't think, I don't think he's the type of guy who would ever
3: fight uh, for any kind of artistic license. Well, I mean, the thing is, in Michael Bay's defence, which is a sentence that isn't often, uttered often, with pain and gain, I think he did. I mean, he basically said. I will only do Transformers four if oh, yeah. you first give me twenty million dollars and let me do this film that I want to do and don't fucking give me any notes.
1: Oh yeah, that, that's his. That's his, his. one. His one out. But I still re- I reckon he was bluffing. I reckon that if they'd have gone, no, I'm still not going to give you it. It'd have gone. Fuck, all right, I'll do Transformers anyway. Do you
3: know what? I don't. I kind of. It certainly didn't have to.
1: He does have so, to, but you know. I think I think he, he knows what, what a good thing with Transformers. He knows that every three years he can go turn up and put in the because he's a talented he's he, you know he's a talented director. He wouldn't have got to the stage he is without being having some element of talent, and he, he get, basically can go put in a minimal amount of effort get to work with an almost unlimited budget. And know that it's you know that there's a highly 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 unlikely that it's it's going to flop you know it, 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 it it's it's in the bag. No, quite. Uh,
3: yeah, I suppose that's fair. But I mean, if if oh, uh, if we're done with Transformers, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to I segue I... a bit. You know, so Christopher Nolan, yeah, new trailer for Interstellar. And this actually does kind of look like he's taking some chances and it's almost like the film's going to make a fair bit of money not as much as Transformers would make automatically, but it's automatically going to make a fair bit of money based on the name and, you know, the marketing. And it kind of looks like we've got something of interest here. I, I saw someone saying it looks like it's going to be a nice companion piece to contact. And that's interesting. Um, and, I mean, I like this trailer because it, it sets up the reason why they go to space quite nicely. And apart from a, a, a couple of shots out there, which look in space, which look awesome, there's not really anything else to the trailer. And, and I, mean, but, I mean, there is a sense of uh, mystery here, which is great. And it's not like the first teaser, which I wasn't a fan of, which was almost parodically trying to be evocative. And it was basically just shots of wheat and Matthew McConaughey looking sad while driving. Yeah, it, it just it, it's it it, it it I don't know. It was kind of trying to evoke feelings of Malik or something. You know that that kind of that kind of shoot like that kind of shooting style and beauty of the image a bit too much. Whereas this t- trailer, it's making it very important that the most—it looks like the most important human connection in this film is going to be between McConaughey and his daughter. Yeah. Even though there's an ensemble cast of whom we've barely seen any. Yeah,
1: I mean the thing is, it's probably going to be you know, two hours twenty-two after two hours forty minutes long. You know, there'll be a lot of story there, but Nolan. I think the thing about Nolan is, is it Nolan. Will forever be associated with the with the Batman movies, but he he very much was a a filmmaker with ideas before that, and I think this is very much him kind of using this immense amount of sway that he now has. You know, like you say, to an extent, this isn't a guaranteed like you say Transformers hit, but you know, let's be honest, he's at the level now where he's. Spielberg esque now. Uh, I think
3: this film is gu- is guaranteed a forty fifty million dollar opening weekend in the US. Oh yeah,
1: without without question. Without you know,
3: question. you know, even if the film is shit, it's Matthew McConaughey who is so hot right now. It's Christopher Nolan who is still very 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 hot. Maybe not quite as hot as he was with Dark Knight and Inception. I think maybe that kind of pop culture thing slightly deflated after Dark Knight Rises. Um, as good as that film is for me, I don't think it's universally loved by any stretch, but it, it, I still think he get he could get 45, 50 million. I mean, he opened Inception to like 60 something and okay. You've got Leonardo DiCaprio, but you've also got, you know, in blockbuster season. And it's a film that is cerebral as all fuck. Yeah. And the trailers don't hide that. And the trailers for this aren't hiding that either. But there's almost like a stamp of approval you get. I mean, I think it's interesting that with Transcendence, when that film was announced, they were very, very big to hype up the Nolan connection. But that was pretty much gone by the time the film had actually come out. And did it, did, I, I, you, you almost wonder whether with. that was Nolan protecting his brand or something.
1: They did it a similar thing with uh, with Man of Steel, to an extent. It, yes, it,
3: it, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and now his name's not going to be attached at all going forward to mm. that series.
1: It's it's very much like that. I think with you know this this will pull in you know you know unless unless the um, the initial reviews for it are um, poisonous. Yeah, then this you know it, it will do very well. But I, you know. I, I'm I'm very excited for it because I'm a I was a Nolan fan pre pre Batman um, and I've up Nolan and everything he's done that hasn't been Batman. Ever. He's a you know every film out of his I, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah,
3: he's and, at, he's gold in my book. When I mean the man's worst film is Insomnia and that's still a fucking solid film yeah. for me. It is anyway. I mean for
1: me his worst film is uh, Prestige, and that's our Great film. There's not a dud in there. What will be very interesting, uh, obviously, is this is the first time he's not worked with uh, Wally Pfister. Um, no, it's um, Hoyt. Hoyt van. um, him, um who,
3: who shot her, so we're in safe hands, and he yeah. shot Let the Right One In, so and, we're in uh, safe hands.
1: Tinker Taylor as well. Hmm.
3: And I, I
1: think he shoot that one that that jordan really like call girl
3: oh he might he might well have
1: i think let me let me double check that i remember reading that somewhere yes he did yeah i've not watched it yet but, but i have been hovering over it for ages and, and jordan speaks very highly of that um but yeah so i, I i'm very much looking forward to to interstellar it, it, it even even though i'm not a big uh sci-fi buff it, it, it's it's got everything there that, that 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 will draw me to it. Uh, it'll be a opening day watch me without question.
3: Uh, in IMAX as well for me, fucking like apparently a lot of it was actually shot in IMAX and yes. you know space footage in IMAX. Come on, yes please. It's
1: gonna be good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all I'm all for it. Uh, saw a little bit of uh, of moaning about the the trailer out there, uh, but I think that's just to be expected now. Cool. uh anything else to add trailer wise no nah, that's, that's 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 all i saw uh, as well um so i'm gonna play you a, a trailer from the uh latest Godzilla film directed by uh, Gareth Edwards and then we'll get into our thoughts on it
2: there not fooling anybody that what happened was a natural disaster it was not an earthquake
0: it wasn't a typhoon they're lying
2: i'm not crazy whatever it is they're guarding so carefully i need to be able to prove that it's real The arrogance of man is thinking nature is in our control, and not the other way around. I know many of you have family and loved ones, and that you want to help them. Well, this is your chance.
1: you heard a trailer there for the Gareth Edwards film Godzilla uh, also got starring well, sorry, not also got, got starring, uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson uh, Ken Watanabe uh, Elizabeth Olsen Sally Hawkins Juliette Binoche, Brian Cranston and uh, David Stratham um, basically it's Godzilla there's not that much to explain about the plot you can pretty much gather from the Godzilla plot and we'll go into plot as we go along Remember, we are all spoilers all the time, but this is a Godzilla movie. <laughs> yeah. um, Ian, um, what did you think of Godzilla? Didn't like it. And that uh, that, that 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 hurts because because you, you were you were very very much looking forward to this.
3: <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. for Godzilla. Um, I fucking um, I even you know since Lottie arrived, I don't go to the cinema during the weekdays. Because I, I like getting home in the evenings and spending some time with her and like giving Donna a break and whatnot. Godzilla, I was so excited for. I actually went to see it the opening day on Thursday in the UK. Because I just I really really wanted to see it, and Donna just said, oh, "I can like I can go to my parents anyway. It's all good. Don't worry." So I I was I was pumped. You know, I mean, like X Men next week, I can, I'll happily go and see it the weekend. Edge of Tomorrow the week after, you know, I'll happily see it the weekend. Godzilla, I wanted to fucking see that shit now, you know. So I went in really excited. I'll also say, just in case anyone doesn't agree with my views here, I knew what it was going to be going in. I have I have I have seen the original Godzilla before I watched this. I knew it was it was going to be a monster movie and it was about the monster. I knew that, I knew that, I knew that. My thing is, if you are going to be all about the monster, then be all about the monster, not be all around the monster. Don't talk constantly around Godzilla, but not really address Godzilla, but just talk about the what Godzilla is trying to do And the effect that he has on those around him. Also, if you're going to do that, give me some human characters I give a fuck about. Or at least give me human characters I give a fuck about who don't die in the first act. We'll get into all of this, but it annoyed me, even though... I still rate Gareth Edwards, and I still think he's one to watch, but I think he needs a better screenplay to work with, Mark.
1: Um, did you see it in uh,
3: 2D? I saw it in 3D, and I'll just say quickly about the 3D, because a lot of people have been a bit mingy about the 3D as well. I thought the 3D was actually all right. I thought that it actually got the sense of de- depth and scale. I-, I actually thought the 3D helped with the third act, the 3D, doesn't help at all because it's really, really dark and it wasn't shot for 3D, so they didn't consider that. Yeah. But, you know, I was actually okay with the 3D. Sorry, go on.
1: Yeah, uh, I just it was just to see through across the, the deck. I, I saw it in 3D and um, usually I don't see films in 3D as a choice, but times just didn't kind of marry up, so I did actually see yeah, it in 3D. Yeah, I was the same. Um, yeah, out um, into um, Godzilla, I, I would say less... A little bit less sort of pumped than you, although I was, I was yeah. uh, very much looking forward to it. Um, and I, um, I, I got it. To be honest, oh, no, 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 I got it. That, that wrong. It got me. Uh, I was, I was on board. I, I, it took me along in its journey, um, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, I thought that I, I, you know, I think it's very much one of those films where, if it. Gets you, um, then you'll you'll flow along with it and, and you'll you'll forgive the the clunkiness sometimes of the um, the screenplay and you'll accept the um, the convenience of the um, events etc etc because because it's got you and because it, it it's it's managed to connect with something there and if, if I think if it doesn't then the the clunkiness in the screenplay and the convenience within the screenplay will certainly I could see it grating and the fact that there's there's a lot of characters but not a lot of characters um, actually within the film um, but yeah it, it 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 I enjoyed it a, a lot uh, I think there's there are uh, very good comparisons I think to be made um, not even in terms of the you know the aesthetic and what it's actually about, but in a similar vein with uh, Pacific Rim, I think if Pacific Rim went with that, if that got you, it was more enjoyable than the, If it if it just didn't, if it didn't get you, it's just CGI robots hitting CGI monsters. Mm-hmm. And I think with Godzilla, there's there's an extent there that it just it, it it could be perceived as sitting between two posts. Is it about the monsters or is it about the people? Actually, it's kind of about the middle, uh, but I I liked that it was about that, and I and to be honest, every time Godzilla looked at the screen and screamed, a little part of me just went ah. You
3: see, my big problem was I, I I think I think you're exactly right there, Mark. It didn't get me, and the thing is. By the time it got to the third act, which people are saying, you know, once Godzilla like unleashes, it's amazing. By the time it got to that point, I just didn't give a fuck. I I mm. I didn't care about any of it. And if I don't care, then as cool as the visuals may be, and I mean, I mean that that they are good. And I mean, the, the monsters fighting is 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 decent. But if I don't really give a fuck about what's happening on screen, then it's going to hurt. And one of my key criticisms of the film is that, frankly, you take the human characters out of this film, you take them out, what does that actually change about what Godzilla himself is trying to do?
1: Oh, nothing, nothing. But the humans don't... Don't help Godzilla in any in any way at all. This is um, it's very much a film where the um, the characters, the Godzilla and um, Muto um, characters, exist completely oblivious uh, almost to uh, to the, the the human characters. Uh, there's only really, I would say, one actual interaction, uh, actual proper interaction where uh, one of the the immunities actually uh, responds to um, being shot at the rest of them are just it it's incidental um, yeah. they, they barely even register it is just the users are attracted to what they conceive as being a food source an energy source whatever it would be um, and um, Godzilla is tracking them I mean and that, that's, that's why there's the there's the outright I mean for if you were a complainer about the destroy um, uh, and destruction yeah, in Manise seal right um, what you're gonna be like what are you gonna be like in this because but that that's what I liked but I um, absolutely got on board with the whole uh, world building um, of it all um, the fact that it is kind of it, it, it's it's set in our time but it creates an alternative History to our time, and it, it 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 all felt. I liked the feeling of that, and I liked the the, the pre-existing destruction that was there, uh, and the fact that that felt very very real. And it, it is, you know, it, it felt like a to me anyway. Um, it felt like a Godzilla movie, and that's what I really I really liked. But that's what I, I was worried is that they'd go they'd go in and they'd go. Right, let's just get Godzilla out there as quickly as possible. And um, they they didn't, you know. I, I think it it is quite a well directed film in, in that sense. In the sense that there's, there's clearly a talent there with Edwards. I think, like you, um, he was let down by the fact that the script isn't great. But then again, it it's gone through a lot of kind of rewrites and versions, etc. And I think you can definitely you can definitely see that that maybe different folks who come across to add their little bit to the script, I've seen the focus of a different group of characters and I've gone, right, well, X writer A was looking at, um, you know, what was happening with Cy Hawkins and uh, Ken West-Hannabair. And then, you know, writer B was looking at what was happening with Cranston and then writer C, when we're all all the time. No, uh, I want to look at what happened with Anthony Johnson so what we're going to do is I'm going to eliminate the Cranston element and all that, and then it just ended up with right, we've got this guy who can make it, give it to him because you know he can make it and he can make it a little bit cheaper than these other guys that are saying they can make it, and it'll look really fucking cool. Yeah,
3: uh, I'll mean, we'll like, work the script out later. I wonder whether it may it may have just been rushed in the development phase, whether Warners were just like we want this for 2014 because we don't have anything else for 2014. You know, um, they've, they've pimped the shit out of this. Yeah. 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 And I mean, fair play to him. I mean, like the, the opening weekend uh, it is like 90 million in the US, which I didn't think it was going to do. So fair play. And I am sure it's done very well here, here as well. But the thing is, it just, the, 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 the first act I, I actually think is pretty strong. And I, I, I'd even go so far as to say like the first hour or so I was still with it um i mean i think the sense of mystery and foreboding is very very well done um and th- th- cranston the fact that they build they build up his character's kind of motivations for almost all the first act and then they kill him off mm. and then it's just aaron taylor johnson trying to get back to his wife and it's almost as if him tracking godzilla is just an excuse for him to actually get back to San Francisco like it doesn't feel and that, like the fact that he's got so much screen time compared to Ken Watanabe and um, Sally Hawkins that it doesn't really feel like there's any real purpose in going after Godzilla it, it, it just that there's the human characters who have to, who have to take us through this journey i mean like i i saw david ehrlich who's this a, a critic who frankly i could not get my head around how pretentious the man sounds without it, and not seeming like he doesn't realise it. Called this the first post-human blockbuster. Yeah,
1: I, I um, I don't have a fucking clue what he's talking about.
3: It, it's basically an excuse to say, yeah, the characters are shit, but it's all about the monsters. But where you'd criticise that usually because you like the director and and you want to see the film do well you're going to frame it like this that
1: that that's what it that, is that that that's 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 fine and i i could see almost see why people are saying that but the the words he's used to describe that don't it's make really sense hard. to that they are not they're not that I mean, that would be humans race is basically completely almost completely died off and these animals are just fighting on our planet and that's not what this film is at all. There is a... There is a... I felt anyway, completely, there is a, a human element um, towards it in the fact that uh, you've got Aaron Taylor-Dunson's character is directly involved from, from essentially, uh, Mark 1 of this version, this particular stage of events that have led up to this. He's been at uh, every... Actual kind of um markup spot, every hot spot along the fucking way, and it's almost as if it's like, Jesus, does this keep on fucking happening to me? What the fuck? But he goes out to save, to get his dad back, and then all he wants to do is is do what his dad says to him is get back to your your family, and he's kind of getting back to them, but every sort of step along the way. That his past almost is keeping up with him and stopping him from getting back to his family, similar to what happened with in in a more actual way than uh, the metaphorical way that was happening with Brian Cranston's character.
3: Yeah, no, sure. I mean, that's 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 fine, but it just I I, I mean, it, it, you know, one line and then it takes it off in a completely different and uh, for me far more boring. Character arc. I've got to get back to my family. Yeah, I mean like, it's... That, that is in, in,
1: in, in any type of film like this, any type of disaster film. That is the archetypal story. It's somebody trying to get to somebody else, to another one. I mean, that it's is the what, first the first
3: act is building this. I didn't listen to my. I, I didn't listen to my dad. I cut myself off from him. Do you know what? He was right all along. There was something going on. I mean, he, he does say that. But then, I don't know, it's setting up as if it's going to be kind of examining his kind of guilt and maybe he wants to actually kind of track Godzilla, A, to get back to his family, and also B, to kind of finish off his dad's work or something like that. It just when they've been building up Cranston, uh, who is really solid in the role as well, and uh, uh, and his character, and then five minutes after he's died off, don't, not having mentioned once again for the rest of it, no, it, and, it feels and, like such a wasted opportunity.
1: There are a few few moments where you kind of go, shouldn't Ken? What are looking and going? Why does he keep cropping up here? I mean, I'm tracking Godzilla. I'm part of this, but why does he keep? cropping up in rooms next to me all the time.
3: All Ken Watanabe does after the first act is stand in rooms next to people while they're talking and that's all Sally Hawkins does for the entire film except she's next to Ken Watanabe.
2: Yeah, yeah it, I, it, it, it's literally it's
3: brutal.
1: Um, but as well, there's the the whole there's, there's, a, there's a bit where and it, 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 when I did actually find myself going well that's just that's just dropped there for no reason. He's holding that the pocket watch, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Um, it. yeah, yeah and yeah, David yeah. Um, Stratham says to him, you know, uh, it's stopped working. And he says, yeah, it stopped working. And he gives him the August the 6th, 1945, I think it is, um, the date of Roshima. He says, it's my father's. And it's like, and I thought, hang on a minute, is he saying that his father died there? Because if it did, that would make him in his eighties, and he's not. So it, 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 kind of it. That felt like they were going. Well, we'll have that there
3: because that's it, fucking it, hilarious. i would never even thought it, of that. It's a
1: button to push, which I can see the the point there. I do think it's it's a wrong button to push, and I think it's it's just a. Come on, you know this. You don't need that. It doesn't need to be there. But then I thought, well, you know. If it was his father's, then his father didn't die. But anyway, his father would have been in, like, you know... His, what he's... Uh, at the oldest, is in his mid-50s. Yeah. Which would mean he was born 10 years after that. So his dad would have been, you know, maybe in the forces. But, but he didn't die, clearly, because then he had that child. It just felt like there was... There was little points in the script there that, that where, and I remember I was on board with it and I liked it, where it just felt a little bit like like there was, someone was trying a little bit too it, hard.
3: It's like that and there's the moment where Aaron Taylor Johnson steps out of the aircraft towards the start and um, he's like talking about going back to his family, oh it's been 18 months and the guy says to him that's the bit they don't train you for. And it, yeah. it just it's stupid. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. it, it, it's just stupid <laughs> shit like that. I mean, I really think it's the screenplay, which is my massive beef here. And I mean, like, the performances because of the screenplay aren't all that inspired. It, it, I mean, Aaron Taylor Johnson cool. is like the least effective lead hero in a blockbuster I can remember. Like, he just I mean, I know he has the bomb stuff at the end, but aside from that, it, it, I mean, in a way, I suppose it's kind of, it, it's linking up, up to the idea of the in the shitness of the camera work, that this is just like a fairly ordinary guy and you're seeing him see these extraordinary things. Mm. Um, but it just, I can't, there's nothing for me to hang my hat on through the film. And, I, I, you know, and I, I mean, I suppose in a way, in a way maybe if we saw a bit more of Godzilla earlier on or if we didn't constantly cut away just as he's about to start fighting until the third act if we had a bit of that to keep me going from a visceral level mm. then maybe I would have been connected more i mean if you went down the up, like the pacific rimway of every 20 minutes or so have a massive robot fighting a
1: kaiju. Do you think there was, there was a conscious decision to to not have um, that happen, as yeah, to yeah. not draw? Because this is going to draw comparisons. It, it clearly is because there are there are glaring similarities to it. I, I think tonally the film I think is is incredibly different. Um, but I think that there was maybe a conscious decision to look at that there and to focus a little bit more on the the sheer uh, destruction. Uh, of of these these things of you know imagine if you know if if this did ever happen and we there was something there that we quite simply were powerless against and even our most powerful weapons that we've come up with all they do is make them stronger uh then you know essentially we'd be fucked and yeah. you know that there's, there's even a line that um you know a few lines that can but it uh, has in the second half of the film is basically, you know, there's the arrogance of man lie, you know, that um, that we think we control nature, you know, maybe it's nature that controls us, it. and it's that kind of idea, and it is, like I said earlier, when we both said it earlier, is that um, Godzilla and um, Mutu, um, not Adrian Mutu, the disgraced uh, Romanian footballer, um, Nice. If uh, although it might have been, he has taken a lot of drugs. Um, it, you know, if, if there hadn't been humanity around, they would have still done all this shit anyway.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it just, I I just found it really inert. I just, there's an awful lot going on on screen, but it just it, it didn't, it it just didn't inspire anything in me really. I I just. I, I don't know. I just, I, maybe on a second watch, I'll, I'll click with it a bit more. But then again, I, maybe, maybe not. I've got a feeling this might be, personally, I think it might be a film where when you take it away from the big screen experience, I, I, I think its general quality is going to be very, very much lessened. Um, well, I, I, um, I
1: actually purposefully, uh, I usually, I I saw it at the city screen, I usually have a specific seat I sit in. uh, And it's slightly to, if you're looking, if let's say you're stood uh, in front of the screen looking out towards the auditorium, um, it's to the right-hand side, uh, and it's a set of seats that's on their own, which two seats sat on their own. But for this, I thought, no, I want to sit, close up so that I'm looking at the screen so I can see all of the screen and nothing else, just straight up. And so that I'm actually kind of looking up a little bit so all of my field of vision is just a fucking screen and I'm smack bang centre because I want that that Godzilla experience, that, you know, I want to see Godzilla like, arching over me, especially if I'm watching it in 3D. And I, I did I did get that and it did... It did prod at me. It did feel I didn't like it anywhere near as much as something like um, Pacific Rim, but it did it did tug at my, you know, it took me back to those days of watching, you know, the original Godzilla movies on a weekend morning. I did it did wrap me up in them. I, I definitely got some for it, but I could definitely see the the scale and the scope uh, of this, you know, the destruction of of, of you know cities. Um, kind of diminishing a little bit on a smaller screen, without question.
3: I mean, I just, I don't know. I think, I think that the, the uh, to me, at the moment for me, ob- obvious flaws of the film will shine through a bit more. I, I it just, I don't know. I mean, I, I even started noticing Ale- Alexandra Desplot's, um score, which was just all over the sound all the time. The the music barely stopped. For for long long portions of the film, and I found that very obnoxious. But I mean, it just but still, like I said at the start, Gareth Edwards, I'm still intrigued to see what he can what he can do because his his heart was obviously in the right place for this. I think if he had better foundations, I think he could have made something uh, something great. And I mean, there are standout sequences in here. I mean the 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 the, the, the sense of the, the the kind of the opening hour or so where you are just seeing fleeting glimpses and getting an idea of, of the scale of him and yeah, you know, the it, kind of like the destruction, like Ho- the Hawaii bit with like the tsunami.
1: Yeah, the, the, yeah, the control... I mean, that's very of, interesting. The control of the um, the digital effects um, is, is clear that the, this is a director who not only understands how to implement them, he understands the makeup of them and the process of going through them so it, it was very, they blended and they felt, they flowed quite well. Um, so yeah, stuff like the, the tsunami kind of, there's, there's a lot of destruction. and There's a lot going on with this. And a lot of it is, I felt, thought, it was dealt with quite well, like building up. Like the fact that they're, when all of, in Hawaii, when they all turn around to look at this explosion that's going on. And that one little girl turns back around and you just see the tide start to suck out. And then you're yeah, thinking, you know, they think it's Tsunami, and you know that it, it kind of, it's not a Tsunami, it's fucking Godzilla, you know. And I, it, it, it just all moments like that, it, for me, it was like, fucking hell, it's fucking Godzilla. <laughs> and I think that was what got it. It, it, it excited me. It, it created an excitement within me. Uh, and I think if it manages to do that, then you can certainly look past uh, it, it's... It, it, it's flaws, but I think if it doesn't, if it doesn't muster up that excitement, then I could, like I said, I, I think you can definitely see why, why it won't, it won't kind of hit.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I I respected that stuff, and you know, that, there's so much build up that when it comes to him and the monster clash, and then it cuts to the next day, it just from a kind of a. Film geek point of view, like a meta point of view, it's kind of funny how he's doing the delayed gratification. But from someone who's just watched all this build up to Godzilla, and then basically you just—I mean—you get to see him, which is something. But then you don't actually get anything else. It just—and then later on, when Elizabeth Olsen kind of goes into that um, shelter, and then the door, like the door closes, and then it cuts as well. It just. I get, yeah, I get what people are saying about, oh, well, isn't it great that, you know, it, it, it doesn't really show you anything to the third act and it's making you wait till it. I, I kind of get that, but at the same time, I'm watching Godzilla. I want to see Godzilla and I want to see him punching monsters. And the thing is, by the time he does end up punching monsters in the third act, I've become so... Disinterested and a, a bit pissed off that I, I I'm just like I'm I'm done with this. I don't really care about seeing Godzilla punch monsters anymore. And if you do care and it comes to that point, which you did, awesome and I, it must it must be great. And I wish I had that feeling. It it, it is one of those. It's I mean I'm even if
1: uh, I I I've had a bad experience with it. I would still be rooting for it to um, to make uh, a lot of a lot of bank because uh, I was a, a big fan of um, Gareth Edwards' monsters, um, and I I think that it, it would have been a shame if it had been a you know a young upcoming uh, British director had been given the reins to something of this scale or of this budget and it it not worked. Um I think it does seem to be one that, that, that split people down the middle, but it it, it is not going to suffer the uh, the fate of, of Pacific Rim of being perceived as being a flop despite the fact that Pacific Rim was actually not anywhere near a flop. Um but you know this is it, it's it's making very, very good money and I, I, I'm you know I'm very pleased for it. Um because it could have been on blot. Uh, on a very talented filmmaker's
2: uh, you
1: know, burgeoning career, uh, it will be interesting to see where Edwards goes from this. To be honest,
3: he, he, he I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I will say definitely shit. It's, Sorry,
1: for me, for me, it's definitely not shit.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed. It's, it's my biggest disappointment of the year so far. um This and Strange Color Everybody's Tears, like kind of jointly by a stretch, because they're films where I really like the really, really like the first film, and this second one looked like it was going to be the first film, but more, you know, and kind of more expansive, Mm. and I haven't liked either. So, I mean, I don't know whether that's a problem with me or not, but um, who knows? Um, I'm slightly. I'm okay with it making money. I'd rather this makes 90 million um, at the US uh, in the opening weekend than, like, Transformers, uh, you know, but um, I'm intrigued to see how it does next week with uh, X-Men out. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if this hurts X-Men or if X-Men just really hurts this.
1: Hmm. What are you aiming yeah, We're coming to X-Men next, next week. Um... But I just There seems to be a little bit of a cool on the X Men thing. I've noticed in the past couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, it just—I I don't, don't get a sense of anticipation about. No, that. that's 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 definitely. It. I don't. I don't get that that's
1: happening. It's no, I a strange
3: one. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It, it it'll be interesting. It, I, I I mean this this summer generally it just it kind of feels like it's a little bit treading water it it kind of feels like 2011 in that in that way for me i mean what was 2011 for captain america maybe a pirates film
1: yeah yeah it it, 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 does seem like 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 we're waiting for a big film to come but at the same time the big films are coming and going a little bit
3: yeah i mean like amazing spider-man 2 it kind of fear was like the conversation
1: on that is done yeah even though it, you know it was very much like if it was Spider-Man 2 happened and it went and now it's gone it's not, I think the I think that the part of me is mean, amazing really. but I think part of this is, is we're in this current um, you know this current blockbuster um, boom at the moment where every you know really on an average between sort of the beginning of april um uh, and you know the middle of september maybe early september you've got an average of every two weeks you've got a massive movie opening and i think that it, it, it to an extent it's diluting the waters because you, you know your excitement that you would usually be having leading up to one film uh, it's been taken up by well for two weeks i'm excited about seeing this film now i'm excited about seeing this film now i'm excited about, I'm excited about it. and it's like that there's there's less anticipation because you're not waiting to see that film. You wait to see that film, but you know you've got that, that, and that before it. And I yeah. think that, that we are getting to the point where you know we're going to have you know, and it's going to suit the studios, you know, definitely. But you can have a lot of um, you know, 150, 200 billion dollar movies doing 600 million. Whereas if you maybe instead of having six to eight blockbusters a year, you had Three or four, you might get three or, or of those, uh, you know, push the eight hundred to a billion mark. Yeah. Whereas I, I, I think we'll, I think maybe Transformers will hit the billion mark, but you know, did we? Because what's it? Did it two last year? Did it? Um, Frozen and Iron Man three. Iron Man
3: three. last yeah. year, Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, the year before that, there was a couple did it, you know. Uh, it
3: was Skyfall, Avengers, Dark Knight Rises.
1: Yeah, uh, I think this year there's a possibility for the first in maybe three, four years where we don't have one.
3: If anything's going to do it, I think it's going to be how to train your dragon, too. But um, it, 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 it kind of depends. I think that I've. I've I read uh, whether or not it was from somebody who'd actually
1: seen it or whether or not it was one of those people who claims to have seen a film, but I saw a tweet from somebody saying they'd seen it um, and it was alright, but it was weak in comparison. Uh, Yeah, there's just nothing that you can go, that's going to get it. You know, I think the strongest chance is going to be Transformers. And yeah. that pains me as that. Because yeah. I don't think Guardians. I think Guardians will do well, but I don't think it'll do that well.
3: It, there's no way it's going to do a billion. I mean, I mean, frank, frankly, if Guardians does five hundred million, I think Marvel will call that a success. Yeah, uh, I think
1: Apes will do four or 500 million, five hundred million. I was thinking 500,
3: 600, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll break that unless unless reviews are incredible.
3: We'll see.
1: Cool. Right. Uh, so yeah, so that was uh, Godzilla, uh, which uh, I was definitely not shit, and uh, sadly Ian was was shit on, which is it's disappointing. I know that he was he was very much looking forward to it. It's 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 never nice to uh, uh, have that build up and then have that disappointment. It's always it, it's never a good thing.
3: It's close to touching cloth, but I just I didn't have a good time at the cinema. So
1: I'm looking forward to to seeing to, to what you think of it on a, on a rewatch. Yeah. To see to see if that to see if it goes. No, I'm definitely shit with it. Or if it's, do you know what, I, 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 I've, I've started to warm to it a little bit. It'll be... I,
3: I, I mean, I will, I will rewatch it, but it just, I don't, I don't see it. I, I really don't see it happening. There's, there's too much wrong with, with it, with the screenplay for me. One just... last
1: little thing on like it as well. Thought it was an interesting choice to not have subtitles for any of the Japanese bits. Weren't
3: that many of it, Mind. There weren't
1: that many of it, but there were there were bits of Japanese within it, and it just it, it seemed strange to not have it. I didn't miss it. But it just seems like a, a strange decision to have made.
3: I can't say I noticed it, but okay.
1: Mm. Right, um, so
3: uh, well, give you some
1: promos, some podcasts. We uh, enjoy ourselves, and then we'll we were done with Godzilla, though, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Um, uh, and then we'll we'll get into some one old and one new. You good to go? Do it. Yeah. Cool, right, Ian? Do you want to hit us with your first of the one old?
0: It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals.
2: we the sake to manage shit. you'd love it.
0: In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I could handle anything. Action.
2: <laughs> Karate is not to be used
0: aggressively.
2: But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs>
0: and romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. The humans are such an easy prey. Noel Meller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS
1: Podcast. Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of X rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them
0: the adventures in vhs podcast
2: thank you have a nice day
0: download today from itunes by searching for adventures of vhs or visit adventures of vhs.com are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement i mean
3: the main the main characters are two of the dullest main characters i have ever encountered in any film well you're in luck let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an
0: ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street.
3: Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, no just just getting confirmation. Just eating, that's the third time though. I mean, am I? Must, is this is on. You can find us at ChinStrokerVersusPunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could. Any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who would keep a secret.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah from GorePress.com and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress gorecast
3: But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast?
1: Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting.
0: Hello, and welcome to
1: another go- Oh, for fuck's sake, (laughs) no, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B movie hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new GorePress Gorecast in iTunes, or you can find us at (laughs)
2: gorepress.com.
1: I've got so much knowledge about this film. Old one, you. Uh, have you had time to watch it? Because we recording a few days ago. Yeah. Do
3: you know what? Yeah, I actually managed it. Um, wow. All right. So I'll uh, I'll go I'll go I'll do my one old first because I'll be quicker at that and um, I've, I've talked quite a lot just then, so I'll give my mouth a bit of a break. So uh, my one old, following on from you uh, talking about X Men First Class last last episode. I, uh, I watched the first X-Men, um, the 2000 film, I believe, uh, directed by Bryan Singer. Um, everyone's favourite, um, maybe, maybe not, Sex Pest. Um, we'll see. Um, so, Bryan Singer's X-Men. Uh, I still quite like X-Men, actually. Um, even though... There's the stuff I find I find in it that that's interesting. I forgot how focused it is on... Um, on Anna Paquin and Hugh Jackman's relationship. Yeah. Um, and it's weird how that really falls by the wayside. Because um, that kind of seems like the framework on which, the emotional framework on which they're kind of hanging the whole thing. X2, I mean, you've got a couple of scenes, but like X-Men The Last Stand, I mean, they, they basically do separate off completely and it's more to do with, um, I mean, like Anna Paquin getting a cure and, um, and Wolverine and Jean Grey, really. So that kind of stood out to me um i'll also say i think it's um I, I think it actually looks quite good as well i think it was newton thomas siegel who did the cinematography it they, does, um, yeah yeah i mean considering the fact that you know, i mean like famously they had a, a lot of kind of like uh budget cuts and then they like push the release forward like six months or something and um, so they, they didn't have an awful lot of time to get stuff done. I mean, that does kind of show in some of the visual effects. Um, but the actual... Sorry, I don't know if you can hear that in the background. I can't work out whether Lottie's screaming or... Like, she might be, yeah. Is she crying or laughing, though? Well, I don't know. Is she, I... Is she laughing or crying? Sorry? Okay, cool, Thanks. She's been doing that today. She's like she was doing it earlier on. She's just screaming to herself. <laughs> she's fine. found her voice. Yeah, no, no, yeah, she's fine. She just, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, sorry. Off, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, but it 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 doesn't have a televisual look. It it does look like a film, and I wonder if that helped, kind of. the the, the whole kind of comic book movie speed bump that there was at the time. I mean, you know, Blade did it, but Blade's a very adult film. But this is like a a kind of a general audience blockbuster, and it looks professional. Well, that sounds bad. But, I mean, it's got a serious, steely look to it. Mm. And even though, I mean, even though there's a lot of the dialogue is kind of pointing out how stupid comic books are which is kind of bizarre now you like you look at the avengers and like four is dressed up in a cape and wields a massive hammer and yet in the first x-men you got hugh jackman like calling uh xavier wheels yeah. and uh um, you know like the, the line about oh what would you prefer yellow and spandex yeah I, I, so I, I don't know i i, I that, that's that's interesting and it, it's amazing how different things are now um but i mean this this really did usher it in and i mean just the amount of mutants there are in this um uh, 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 as well i mean they they really they, they really commit you know yeah. i mean uh, you know i mean like you've got mystique um which you'd think in less brave hands they wouldn't introduce until like a, another couple of films in you know like a blue-skinned naked woman who can Transform into oh, anyone else
2: i think
1: else. it's a selling point that, isn't it?
3: yeah yeah i mean it might it might well be in fairness yeah totally and i mean like with jennifer lawrence doing it, doing it now i mean that's definitely a selling point but it, it just at the time like it, it I, I i think it manages to kind of uh make bridges to attaining a kind of re- uh, re- respectability um uh, quite nobly I, th- I, I think and um, I mean it, it works I mean, the, the finale is not amazing I mean the, the plot is alright but it does that I mean the, the actual kind of what is going on feels quite television pilot but the but the look of it and the craft of it I, I don't think is um, so yeah I mean there are dodgy bits I mean like Halle Berry's accent is all over the place um, but I, th- I think hugh Jackman i mean this is a star making turn if ever there was one mm. and he's great
1: um, what i do think is is funny is if if you put hugh jackman um Hugh Jackman's Wolverine here uh next to Hugh Jackman's Wolverine in Wolverine um the actual dis- difference in actual character um the actual visual of the character is so incredibly different. The fact that I remember at the time people going, you know, fucking hell, who's this? Who's this guy? You know, this guy who's, you know, this ripped guy playing what is it? Because he wasn't a known name, uh, you know, in two thousand. No, no he really was And it's you know, and you know, now you look at him and he is fucking super buff. Yeah. Whereas with this, he was just, you know, yeah, he was he was a little bit buff, but it's just strange how they've how much they've gone towards that you've got to be uber buff now whereas in x-men it was well you've got to look quite physical
3: yeah yeah no that's yeah absolutely i mean uh, it's crazy how young he looks in it as well i mean he <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, really does look quite fresh-faced actually but um yeah i mean so x-men it it, it still it still works um well for me i'm not i'm very much looking forward to re-watching X2. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> to, to
1: put it in perspective, Hugh Jackman, right, when X-Men came out, uh, was the same age as I am now. Bloody hell. Th- that, yeah. That's fucking weird, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
1: That makes me feel like a fucking failure.
3: <laughs> nice.
1: But, yeah. I, 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 I watched it very recently as well, so it's quite fresh in my mind. Mm. Uh, yeah, do you want me to go on to one of mine?
2: Are we to that?
1: Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, cool, right, cool. Uh, I'll go on like, one old, because I'm not going to talk about it for ages, because um, I only watched two old since um, Wednesday. Um, one was Tombstone, but we spoke about Tombstone on the podcast before. Um, excuse me, I I just watched Man of the Totoro, but we went into that a little bit last week. Uh, the other film uh, I, I watched this week was um, spurred on by the uh, magnificent news that um, Twin Peaks is finally uh, coming to Blu-ray. Um, it had been um, transferred onto HD uh, for TV presentation a number of years ago. Uh, but apparently Lynch wasn't happy with the, the transfer and wanted them to try to look at it again and get it cleaned up a little bit more. And also, he, he famously wasn't uh, happy with the um, with some of the little minor faults that he felt were there in the Twin Peaks fire walk with me, uh, blu Ray as well. Um, so that's coming out on July the 29th, I believe, is yeah. the date i'm incredibly looking forward to it i'm a, a huge huge mega twin peaks fan um so that will be the 29th i'll be you know i'll be buying it that day and i'll probably be taking the day off after work uh day, off, day after it off work so i can watch the entire entirety in like you know essentially one sitting um so i decided to give um you know with all that fresh my brain uh twin peaks uh walk with me um a, a rewatch. One of my favourite films of all time. Um and you I noticed, noticed, and I'm gonna tangent here a little bit within this bit. You um tweeted me about it saying about it and am I right in thinking that you've you've seen the first series of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Have you seen none of the second series then?
3: I've seen none of the second season but I have seen Firewalk with me. Right, right. What are your feelings on Firewalk with me? I really like it man. Yeah. Um yeah. just um I mean like as Mike was saying as well like how the fuck did you understand it? Yeah. But it's, um, I just saw it as a piece of Lynch, basically. I mean, I saw it around the same time I, 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 um, uh, Mulholland Mulholland drive was released. Mm. Um, So it just kind of slotted in with that quite nicely for me, just like not everything's going to make complete sense. And uh, obviously more of it didn't make sense for me because I didn't really know the story of the second season. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I like it, man. I mean, it's um, moody, it's surreal, it's fucking scary. Yeah, I mean... And, that, I mean, I mean the, and the last 20 minutes of Firewalk with me, man, uh, uh, holy shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my whole thing about um, Firewalk with me is um, I, I think it is it quite simply is one of the greatest um, horror films of all time. Uh, sure. it, it's a, it, This is a full-blown you know psychological horror and i think that it's interesting because i watched it um having you know watched you know, the first time i watched it i i just finished watching season two of twin peaks um and then it wasn't until years later that i watched twin peaks again when it first came out in the uk on on dvd um and i might track down all the the vhs for season two because originally it only came out just season one uh, and then track down uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk, and Me. watched it again and I, I have a habit of sort of building up and then um, myself my wife every year will at least once sometimes twice uh, watch through the entirety of, of Twin Peaks and it'll always be we'll go through Twin Peaks then we'll watch Fire Walk with me and every time we do that we pick up that little bit more uh, from Fire Walk with me you know that we've, that we've picked up from Within the series, and everything kind of does kind of make sense, it does kind of slot in. So, it is definitely interesting to, to sort of know what it looks like from somebody who doesn't have what happens in the second series to reference off. Um, uh, but yeah, it'll certainly, it, it does start. Things don't, I'm not going to pretend to say things start to make sense because they don't. Uh, but that, that's the beauty of, of Lynch is the fact that, you know, it, it doesn't all necessarily have to make sense some of it just just is left within the mystery of it all uh, but one of the the most exciting portions of the um, of, of the um, the whole mystery um, being released is the fact that we get the 90 minutes to delete an alternative scenes. From uh, Firewalk with Me. Now, as I understand it, they're not. This is a new cut of Firewalk with Me. They are interspersed into the film to create an almost a new director's cut of Twin Peaks. It's very much the same thing as what he did, what uh, Lynch did with uh, Blue Velvet.
3: He's happy with the, the theatrical version of Firewalk with Me, isn't
1: he? He's happy enough with it. Okay. In in, in a sense that that Lynch said that that. At the time, um, th- he was happy with that and happy that that closed. Uh, the, at the, he's happy that at the time, that was what he wanted to say then. But he said that now, it might be different what he want, would want to say now to what he wanted to say then. But he, said that he, he did say that it would be wrong to think that you can go back and make something better when you 've got 20 years worth of, of different emotions and twenty years worth of getting older to look at it from a different point of view, and he said okay. it 's too far removed from living in that world. he said, because he was so involved in the world of Twin Peaks, and there's, there's a certain anger uh, I mean the opening shot of Twin Peaks, the credits are going yeah, and great. you have a fuzz of TV, and then the opening shot is an axe going into a TV, which is the most pointed finger of, we were cancelled. There's more to this fucking story. I'm not going to tell you it. I'm going to tell you how we got to the point that you got to. And there's an anger, it's a very angry film. And I think often with, with Lynch is, and what he said often about his other films, because he, he hates being asked, what does that mean? His, his default response to what does that mean is, what does it mean to you? Yeah. Um, but I think that there's certain points of uh, Mohan Drive or without question Inland Empire and a lot of his films where there are points where people go, well, what does that mean? And I don't think he knows what it means. I think that it doesn't mean anything or it might mean something, but what it means to him, he doesn't necessarily want that to mean to you. I think everything that happens in Twin Peaks is what he wanted to happen and what he meant at the time. And that is why it is so angry as a film. And why it's it's so claustrophobic, so tense, and it opens up so many, you know, new questions. You know, we were left with the questions of the End of Twin Feet, which I'm not gonna go into 'cause I am not going to go into. i do not want to spoil it for you. Um we were left with all these I questions. I
3: know I know what the very, very ending is. I mean yeah. I don't know obviously I don't know the context, but yeah.
1: Uh, but I think he wanted to basically it throw it open and say, "Right, here's this fucking world. Here it is. Make with it what you will." And you know, I think he's left it very open. But if he ever wants to, if if David Lynch ever woke up one morning and thought, "I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna go back and I wanna do a another Twin Peaks film. I wanna do a mini series or whatever," all he'd have to do was set up Kickstarter and with and for. 10 million. And within an hour, he'd probably... Yeah, offer.
3: yeah, he'd totally get that in an hour. Yeah, you know, he
1: wouldn't need studio money from it at all. I think studios would fucking throw money at it, to be honest. But he'd be able to get whatever he wanted to make whatever he wanted for it. Can
3: you imagine, like, how much budget he'd get out of Netflix <laughs> oh, if, for, if he for, offered them a third season of Twin Peaks? They, they, I, I reckon that they would,
1: they would just say, right, how much do you need, what do you want, what can we do, uh, and when can we show it? Yeah, I think that would literally be it. But like I said, I've not really spoken that much about the film. But to be honest, it it was kind of yeah, it's Twin Peaks by a walk with me. You know, if you've seen it, you know that it's it is an incredible, visceral, angry, wonderful, and beautifully heartbreaking film to watch. And although the season two of Twin Peaks isn't as consistently magnificent as the first season, because it's there's a lot more padding there. There certainly is padding there. There are moments of just sheer
2: meltingness,
1: uh, melting sort of beauty and chaos and just those heartbreaking moments within season two uh, that are all condensed into Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. And for somebody who holds Twin Peaks as, as dear as they do, watching Firewalk With Me, and the first time you go to Twin Peaks and those couple of bars, Uh, from Angelo Badalmenti's score, goes, bung bung kick in. It is just, for me, that's just like a big fucking blanket coming around me, and it's just right, yeah, that's it. They they instantly relax me. I cannot fucking wait for this to come out. (laughs) And I literally use that as an excuse to talk about that. No, fair play. Um, Do you want to give us your one new, Ian?
3: Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, yeah, my one new is... uh, Film from earlier this year, um, at least in the UK. I think it might have come out in the US late last year, but maybe not. Um, Akiva Goldman's A Winter's Tale, or as it's known in the U- in the UK for some reason, A New York Winter's Tale. Um, so this uh, did not do very well um, at the box office and was uh, the, the first kind of just laughed out of the cinemas critically um, film of 2014. Um, and yeah um so the story is film starts off colin farrell seems to be existing both in 2014 and in 1894 i think it is Um uh, he's running away from a bunch of bowler hatted um hoodlums uh led by russell Crowe, sporting an irish <laughs> accent um when he basically runs into a horse Uh, that he calls Horse and um, he gets on the horse and the horse enables him to get away and it turns out that the horse is his spirit guide. Um, The horse stops outside of a house one day and Colin Farrell being a thief decides to rob the place um, where he meets a woman played by Jessica Brown Findlay, who I believe is in Downton Abbey, um, who is dying of consumption. Uh, The two fall in love with each other. And Russell Crowe, it is revealed, is uh, a servant of Lucifer, who is trying to prevent the two from getting together because he believes that, uh, oh, and every person has a miracle within them, apparently. And he believes that Colin Farrell's miracle is to save this woman's life. That sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> I will say, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, it's absolutely mental and it tries to be both really sincere and earnest while also having. Colin Farrell having a white spirit guide horse that he only ever calls horse and Russell Crowe working for. I don't want to spoil the cameo, but there's like a really, really big star. Oh, place. I, I do. I, we, we were talking about this, weren't we? When we were, oh, you know, yeah, I think we, we were... we, we,
1: we did, when we watched Oil Lovers Left Alive, I think it was, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, just for a second. Is everything okay, Don? She's just doing it, yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, so she's, she's still doing that noise. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, but for anybody else, I don't want to spoil the cameo. But um, Russell Crowe has a couple of scenes with this really, really big star, and uh, it, it just, it's just—it's what am I watching? Um, but when it's working, it does work, and the kind of the the, the kind of the magic stuff in the everyday world on occasion does kind of spark into life and does click um but i mean russell crowe kind of does seem like he's in a completely different film as russell crowe often does um but he's actually quite fun and he is scenery chewing But that kind of seems like the point he is the the pantomime bad guy of the fit of the piece um and I, I don't know the third act jumps forward in time and is less interesting and there's some twisty stuff going on in there um but i don't know it took me places i wasn't expecting um colin farrell's is dependable good self um and you know, I mean, Akiva Goldsman's a man who, right, quite rightly, has been shit on a lot in the past. I mean, he, he he's written wrote some uh, crap, yeah, it? yeah. I mean, he's written some crap. Yeah, has won an Oscar. Um, what you 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 Bar,
1: mean, beautiful man, Beautiful*? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. But I mean, he wrote *Batman and Robin* and you know all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, but he adapted this and directed it himself. And it, I can't help but think maybe some brickbats were basically just out for him. I mean, it is...
1: They, they've been, I mean, this is one they've been trying to adapt for years, isn't it? The actual book. Yeah. Uh, I, once Scott says he was attached to it at one point. I, mean, I, 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 you,
3: I wouldn't be surprised you whether... You ran away from it, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just unfilmable, but they thought they'd give it a go anyway. Um, Which but... is with passion projects, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it, it does kind of feel like he just said to Warner Brothers, I, I've made this studio quite a lot of money in the past. Give me 30 million dollars. I'll see what I can do or something like that. And I mean, it looks great. Um, you know, I mean, like this, it, it's a beautiful looking film. Um, and there is a scene where Colin Farrell has to stop a boiler exploding with the help of William Hurt, which is uh, odd. You know, I mean, like from a sheer curiosity point of view, it's worth a watch. But How I gave long it long three it? out of five on Letterboxed. Um, it's under two hours as well. Yeah, yeah, it's like an hour forty-five, hour fifty. Mm. I mean, it's it's got a shitload of problems, a shitload. But I didn't begrudge my time watching it, and I I I feel quite sympathetic towards it because you could see what they were trying to do here. And it kind of feels like almost as if if they made this in the 40s or 50s, like if it was like a Powell and Pressburger kind of thing, where the kind of it, you you can kind of mix the the, the 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 kind of the real world with the with the kind of the supernatural. That maybe it would have worked better in a less in a less cynical time, but unfortunately, yeah. we are in the world we live in, and. It doesn't quite do well enough to kind of detach yourself from that. Uh, but it, it's, you know, it's a mild recommend.
1: Yeah, I, I will mildly consider watching it. Do
3: you know what? Godzilla, definitely shit. Winter's Tale, definitely not shit. Okay, now.
1: You smell burning that... toast. <laughs>
3: Let's <laughs> that have nice. Uh, that,
1: that's, uh, that your one new. You, but actually, I just remembered I did actually watch another um, rewatch, uh, and the the film that I'm about to talk about reminded me. That I watched without a paddle again. Oh, yes, I, I know I watched that film far too often. Um, I watched my uh, one new is is an older film. Uh, it's filmed from the late nineties, from ninety eight. Uh it's a Dan Rosen film, uh called Dead Man's Curve, or as it was called in uh some blazes, just the Curve. Um it's it is one of those films where it is incredibly nineties um in its execution, like it's all set on a college campus, um and there's some kind of slightly quirky camera angles and it's in the story is I mean you've got Matthew Lillard there, uh Kay Russell. And a couple of those, you know, actors that you re- recognise from um, from sort of those kind of eras of '90s films, but really never went on to do anything at all uh, after it. Um, excuse me. Oh, I need to belt that. Um, the idea of the story um, is you've got these uh, three college roommates: uh, Tim, Chris, and a guy called uh, Rand. Um, who um, all live, actually live together, um, and Tim and Chris um, are both trying to get into uh, Harvard. Um, uh, You've got Tim's played by Matthew Lillard, and Chris, played by Michael Varton. Um, Matthew Lillard's character uh, and the character, um, Randall uh, Banticoff, who plays Rand, they grew up together, went all the way through school together and have gone through college together. Uh, And Rand, they're both rich kids, but Rand is an absolute, he's a, dick essentially Um, and um, Chris has been going through a few problems the pressure, he's a scholarship kid the pressure of kind of being on the cusp of being accepted into Harvard gets to him a little bit and his GPA falls um, so that he needs on this certain assignment he needs to get an A otherwise he won't get the grades he needs to achieve the GPA that he needs to get into Harvard he gets a B plus now Tim comes uh, figures out there's this there's this kind of almost loophole within the system that is if your roommate um, commits suicide um, then for that semester you get a passing grade you get a, an A for everything you get a four point for uh, that semester that would give Tim and Chris the grades they need to both them to get accepted to Harvard. So they hatched this plan um, to make it look like Rand has killed himself when actually they've killed him. Um, and then after that happens, which is very early on, it's not a spoiler, even though we are all spoilers all the time. Um, after that, it started to seem you know, Tim's um, more sociopathic tendencies Uh, start to become more prevalent and it starts to look like he's basically setting it up so that if the shit hits the fan he can point everything at Chris um, so that no kind of uh, nothing will fall his way so it all looks like it's you know it's Chris's doing Uh, and it's one of those where it's it's 90 minutes, it gets in and gets out quickly. Uh, it looks like it was shot on video uh, as well, um, so it looks like it was made quite cheap. But also, it's Matthew Lillard when he was, you know, that time around the same time, the Scream, where you know, he was young and busy, he talked a lot. You know, and he did that kind of, that overblownness that he had at the time. Uh, which he still has to an extent now, but it, it's very much kind of toned down. And he is an actor where you know, for some reason, I enjoy watching, I enjoy spending time with him. But I was I watched this on Amazon Prime, um, and it's a really great little ninety-minute '90s kind of twisty-turny sort of thriller. Um, I was very kind of impressed with it, and kind of thought I, I don't understand why. You know this film's existed for 16 years and I've not watched it yet. It seems like something I would have watched at the time. I do remember vividly seeing the trailer quite a lot on various sort of VHSs, but just never quite getting round to to watching it. But I, I had a great time with it. Is it one that you've seen? Or?
3: No, I haven't seen Dead Man's Curve actually. No, uh,
1: it's. Uh, I would absolutely recommend giving it a go. It's a really. It's very much a throwback to that that era of filmmaking, but it's it's got quite a a nice kind of feel to it in the terms of it's not just a standard point the camera they're they're trying to do something interesting and the story although doesn't make exact sense there are there are kind of little holes there the story is nice and kind of twisty and you know Lillard's character is fully fucking sociopathic fucking nutter there's this great moment where um, after Dan's, um, funer- Dan's Rand's, sorry, uh, funeral, Rand's um, funeral, Rand's girlfriend thinks that she's uh, well, that she's pregnant, and that's you know one you know. So she's told him, and that was sort of like a catalyst for that they they decide oh they can use that to help you know make it seem more like he would kill himself. Um, and yeah. after the funeral, you've got uh, Matthew Lulard's character um, the. Girlfriend, who's pregnant, character Chris and his girlfriend is played by Kerry Russell. Uh, in this tension there because of uh, Chris's inability to um, to maintain uh, sexual arousement. Um, and Matthew Lord starts telling this story about Rand to kind of say, you know, how funny it was. And it's this really horrible story that doesn't show him as in a nice light, should have been an absolute arsehole. But what it does is it gradually starts to pull in and focus more into Matthew Lillard. And then it just drops all the um, background, goes silent. So the only thing you can hear from, you know, before you could hear all these normal kind of like chinking and chanking bar sounds, all you can hear is just Lillard talking. And then gradually uh, everything just goes black. So all you can actually see is just Lillard. And then as the story starts to get to its climax, that black fades back in so you can see it back, and then gradually it starts to pan backwards out, uh, and the volume starts to come up for the background again, and then he finishes it, and everything sort of goes back to normal. And it's just these really little interesting bits like that, sort of peppered all the way through it. It's a really, a really sort of entertaining film. I just thoroughly enjoyed it, got a lot out of it.
3: Yeah, fair play. No, all right. Yeah, that's if I see that on Netflix or something at any point, I'll. Uh, yeah, I'll say it's it's
1: it's on Amazon it's on Prime. Amazon, is
3: it? Yeah. yeah, on
1: Amazon Prime, I, I I found it literally by searching Matthew Lillard. Why
3: were you searching Matthew Lillard? Quite watch Matthew Lillard. <laughs> to really sit there. Fair enough. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Uh, so those are one old, uh, one new, um, and we'll play you a. Um, trailer to the uh, penultimate film, uh, the last actual reviewed uh, film in our Untitled John Milius uh, Marathon, his uh, 1991 Vietnam film Flight of the Intruder.
0: The men. Lie, the A6 intruders in Vietnam are as calm in the air. It's gonna be the most exciting thing you've ever done with your clothes on,
2: <laughs> As they are on the ground. Jake. Yeah, I learned this when I was a hippie. Razor. Got room here for a six pack and a pizza? Sure, they are. Okay. Yeah. Cole. You got the DFCN and Silver Star Dungeon. Does it matter? Capparelli. I got that name because somewhere in my past, there was a wop in the woodpile. Nerd no, made them confident. No! The rules of engagement held them back. What's your problem, mister?
0: Well, I don't think trees in a suspected truck park is worth a man's life. I they send you here to stroke the widow. You get in your airplane and fly away alone, sometimes you don't come back.
2: I'd like to introduce you to the replacement crew. We just call them new guys up all the good names i don't like the targets either i hate them you tell me you're interested in payback it's right across the square from the national assembly sam city man just say we happen to pull it off maybe some other guy somewhere would get a chance to die in their sleep payback right you heroes you don't have the right to make up your own orders
0: this war has become very confusing maybe for me got personal because i do know the difference between dying for something and dying for nothing you know
2: what's going on back home riots people spitting on soldiers in airports the whole country's tearing itself apart all we really got is each other let's go downtown
0: something i don't know willem defoe brad johnson
2: i grounded you hey i am on the ground rosanna arquette me here you got a chance alone you're going back to your wife and kids flight of the intruder
1: Okay, you had a trail there for Flight of the Intruder uh, the 1991 John Milius film uh, which stars Danny Glover, Willem Defoe, Brad Johnson uh, Rosanna Quet crops up briefly uh, and you've also got Tom Sizemore and a few other sort of semi-recognisable uh, faces within there as well um, focuses um, on um, some pilots they're not fighter pilots they're uh, bombers uh, they're the guys who basically just drop bombs on shit. Uh, they
3: make history? Fighter like pilots are the ones who make movies. That,
1: yes, yes. That is mentioned in the film. Um, at the start of the film, uh, we have um, Brad uh, Johnson's character, uh, Jake, or his hand, is his cool hand. Um, he's uh, up with his... Um, his, his um, I think... You know, because he's the pilot and the other guy's the bomber or whatever they are but his co-pilot, we'll say. Um, and Morg. His friend Morg, uh, who is um, killed, uh, shot uh, in the plane. Uh, and uh, Brad, uh, the Brad, Brad uh, Jake's character finally starts to realise the futility of uh, the Vietnam War and starts questioning why they're actually there and why they constantly go out every night risking their lives to blow up. Essentially fields with nothing in them uh, and why can't they actually do anything of any actual use and why are all his friends dying around him and you've got Danny Glover as the uh, captain who is basically saying we're doing it because it's our jobs Uh, and then along comes uh, Willem Dafoe who is just there because he likes the action. Uh, Ian. Uh what did you think of the uh John Milius film uh Flight of the Intruder? Which interestingly uh it was uh, officially not written uh by John Millius, but clearly fucking was.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, it clearly was. Um fuck, you got that like, one moment where he's dancing with it was arquette and he's just like, I learned this dance from hippies. Just, <laughs> that's totally, so much John Milius would fucking say. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, okay, Flight of the Intruder, that's brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, Flight of the Intruder. Um, it's an interesting piece, man, because, like you were saying there, he, he, he comes to question, like, the what was the point of the war? And it's not in terms of, like, the, the Vietnamese people no. and whatnot, and just, like, it, 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 what's the point of all the senseless violence? It's if we're going to go out and blow shit up, why not, why not blow shit up? That's actually going to have an effect. Yeah, w- yeah, <laughs> which is a brilliant fucking like different different way of playing it.
1: Yeah, that 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 is it. It's a it's a complete. It, 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 it's such a milious way to look at something.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's hilarious. It's just like going after watching all of his films and then watching this. It just—it could not be more milious if it fucking tried.
1: Yeah, it—it literally—it it, it, it is so like at the whole idea of well, all we're all we're doing is blowing up bridges and fields and we're hitting nothing. Why can't we just go, you know, back to Hanoi like we fucking used to and blow fucking blow fucking shit
3: up. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, it's kind of painted like this guy, he's almost got like PTS or something, you know, like, he keeps on calling Tom Sizemore's character uh, Morg instead of uh, Boxman. Yeah. You know, uh, he's almost got this like fanatical want. To 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 like blow shit up that means something, and who does he find a kindred spirit with? Willem Dafoe, who basically everybody in the film says is a psychopath. Yes, I, it's it's, I, and yet you, you you know that Milius wants you to identify with these two guys. I, it, I, I I I enjoyed it, man. I I didn't have a clue what it was about going in. I purposely did not read up on it. I knew it was a military film, but that was it.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I I knew it was a military film, I knew it was about about Vietnam, but beyond that I, I knew uh, very uh, very little. Um but yeah, I, I was I exactly the same. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um But you know, it's um it I don't know whether or not it's one of those films where um Milius thinks it's a lot more serious than it is or Milius just wanted to make uh, this type of film, uh, you can never quite tell with, with, with him, I think there's certainly um, feelings of that there, or that Milius wanted to say something, but he also wanted to just show shit getting blown up, and there's, it looks like there's some early kind of CGI in here.
3: Yeah, I mean they 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 make a point of saying visual effects produced by somebody in the opening credits, and I mean to be fair, the CGI, yeah, it looks all right. I mean it's probably just because it's all done under like the cover of night and clouds and whatnot. Mm. But and I mean there's obviously obvious model work here as well. Um, but it, it's they're like they're, the, the, the scene where they're doing the main bombing. And it's like the cockpit shots, and you're seeing all the fire coming at them yeah. as well. It's really well done. It's a very visceral sequence.
1: It look it looks
2: great,
1: you know. Yeah, it, it, it does. does. I mean, there's there's films that were made ten years after this with ten years worth of of growing visual effects uh, that look a lot shitter than this. Yeah, sure. You know, it, it does look good. And I mean, the obvious. Um, I think it, it, it's what helps in terms of production value is the fact that uh, the U.S. Navy has obviously allowed them to spend a lot of time uh, with their equipment to basically to be able to make you know this look great and that that adds kind of you know that adds production value straight away there. But it does feel you know it all feels quite nice and well lived. You know there are parts of the story that just aren't explored at all. You know, there's this relationship set up between um, Jake and uh, Rosanna, uh, Rosanna, Rosanna I um, no, Rosanna, I was right first time. Oh, yeah. Rosanna Arquette's um, character, uh, which I can't even remember a name off the top of my head. No, um, I, I,
3: don't, I don't think Milius did.
1: No, I, I, do you know what? I'm actually looking through um, on... Um, Wikipedia, the flight of the intruder thing, and her name isn't even listed as a character. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, there's that developed, but then it, it it literally is thrown away within seconds.
3: Yeah, I mean, you get like a couple of passing mentions about her, and he, he has like a letter from her at the end. But yeah, that that I mean, he's got that letter, and then Danny Glover says, "Oh, you know, you're like me and uh, me and uh, Cole, you're a lifer," and it's just like he's never gonna fucking see that woman again.
1: Yeah, and you're also like that, that point. I was like. Cole was, was a lifer because he died. <laughs> you know? yeah, but, I mean, like, Cole, he might yeah. have checked out, you know, in like, a few years' well, time. The war it was, ended. Well, no,
3: I mean like, it was his third tour of duty, wasn't it? And it was like, like, it just like the action,
1: likes... didn't he? And yeah. plays that so well. But it's a great, you know, thing where it's like, you know, people don't like working with me, you know, the cap, you know pilots don't usually last very long with me. Uh, and then he's like, you know, I like you, and, he, and you get the feeling that he's crazy. Uh, oh, yeah. Defoe, and that, that works really well um, but then you've got the, the end bit where you know Defoe essentially makes the choice to go right either I can definitely die or this guy can come for me and there's a chance we both die and he, he starts shooting while he's trying to come and rescue him he actually yeah. starts shooting at him yeah, yeah. You know, you just that that I thought was brilliant. And one thing I did this film, uh, which I really enjoyed, is it is really entertaining. Yeah, it is totally entertaining. It drags you in, it gets you, and you watch it going, you actually do go. Do you know what? I, I actually gave a shit about the characters, and I enjoyed it. It was a little bit kind of OTT towards the end, and Danny Glover. Feels like he was been a little bit more
3: serious than he than anybody else within it, but really liked it. I, mean, I, I was wondering until the last act how the fuck Danny Glover even got first build on this, and I still kind of wonder that. Like, it feels like if this film was made now, it would be and Danny Glover for this kind be. of role that it he has. It would be, but I think
1: this was very much kind of within the time of the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. I think. You know, it was between *Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, uh, and it was just after Predator, the second Predator movie. Um, and so, you know, he was a, you know, a top billing actor at the time. Mm. Um, and so, you know, having his face on the poster in a very similar kind of pose to the *Lethal Weapon movies was very kind of um, pointed.
3: Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that's yeah, t- t- totally. I, I I mean I I was all I was also impressed by the kind of the uh, the veris, uh, verisimilitude of, of the kind of the setting on the warship uh, or the the aircraft carrier. Sorry, um, it, it it's the the sense of these guys still managing to let off some steam. You know, I mean, like the the meeting they have and they're talking about the phantom shitter and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which which is oh shit! Sorry, my earphones just fell off. Uh, which is which is fantastic, and um, they the, the kind of the right the, the rituals they have for the for the new guys and stuff like that. It, it just it feels like it's it's quite a lived in world, and I think that get gets you on board quite effectively as well. It's um, it's it's a really well directed and performed film. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I I thoroughly enjoyed it. it was it was. It was great. Um it was it was I say it was a good film to finish our review, um, you know, reviews of the uh Milius ones because it did feel so incredibly um Milius, uh, yeah uh, and it was nice sort of looking back on that um, as if we'd we'd reached like the zenith of Millius. Um, you know, it'd be fun to do the, the commentary for Conan. Uh, but no, I, I I I very much enjoyed it and I it it would be one where I could see myself you know in a couple of years time sort of if it, if I'm sort of sat in on a night on my own and I'm sort of flicking through across Netflix and landed on it going uh, yeah fuck it why not
3: yeah sure
1: uh right so that was the end of our um marathon, marathon. what are we what are we starting oh. next week Ian?
3: Well, um, we've got an email actually, which kind of, um, uh, kind of actually kind of ties into this slightly. So um, I'll, I'll let you do that. Then. Yeah, cool. So uh, this is from uh, uh, Tom at Very Cinematic. I, I, I won't say your surname, Tom, just in case. Um, uh, I, I, maybe you don't mind, but I know some people are. Um, can get a bit funny about it so just in case uh dear ian and mark uh first of all all, thanks for producing such a great show every week they're always not only interesting but also great fun to listen to i particularly enjoy the marathons as you usually come up with some slightly left field choices anyway i've been thinking of suggesting that your next marathon should be about either cinematic dudes or movie monkeys and then a thought struck me Surely the ultimate dude in a monkey movie is 1978's Every Which Way But Loose. It stars not only the ultimate dude in Clint Eastwood's trucker and bare-knuckle boxer Philo Beddo, but also a gigantic and rude-as-fuck orangutan called Clyde. I know that orangutans are technically speaking apes, not monkeys, but fuck it. Ian's Twitter avatar is an ape, so I know he's not fussy and loves all the furry little fellows equally. What do you think? Surely, your Dude and a Monkey, Dudes and Monkeys mega movie marathon simply has to start with this film. It is your destiny. Keep up the good work, Tom, at Very Cinematic. I will just say, before we get into um, what I was going to say, I actually covered Every which Way But Loose on a movie monkey marathon that I did on Cinerama. I
1: do remember you covering it. Uh,
3: yeah, so uh, that's stretching back a few years now. But, um, Tom, uh, I think the episodes of Cinerama are still available, maybe. I certainly haven't taken them down anyway um so you might actually find that there what did i do um i did that i actually did um i think i did monkey shines which we talked actually talked about on on Dude and a monkey uh didn't we we did indeed uh, yeah yeah i'm not no yeah i thought i was going mad for a second there um do you know what i can't i can't remember what else i did um Fuck, I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh you can check those out. But um I worked out last night that the amount of shows that we have left until the release of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, that we're at like the weeks we're actually recording, are exactly the number of Planet of the Apes films that we have had so far. So the five originals, the Tim Burton one, and then Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. So starting next week. Our marathon uh, is going to be on the old Planet of the Apes films. And I propose that the marathon title be Ian and Mark throw their own shit at each other. (laughs) Yes. So the uh, Ian and Mark throw their own shit at each other marathon will be starting next week. Shit took us. Sorry? Shit took us shit shuckers indeed <laughs> nice um so the marathon will be starting next week with uh the original chart heston starting uh, starring planet of the apes we'll go through the five and then i'm thinking the timber and one and then rise i'm i'm very much up for this cool so yeah man i am pumped so we are going to be doing planet of the apes i've already sounded out mike Chinstroker about potentially coming on for one or two And he sounds up for it, so uh, we'll we'll see what we can do there. But, uh, yeah, starting next week, Ian and Mark throw their own shit at each other, Planet of the Apes. Cool, I'm very much looking forward to this.
1: Um, Right, we do have some uh, questions. We have a few uh, left over from last week. Um, Short, excuse me. Oh, God, so much for this show. Um, Yes, uh, Tom, i very cinematic, uh, funnily enough. Uh, Which film characters have the most ridiculous names? Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder plays a guy called Cole Trickle.
3: Yeah, okay, that's fucking mental. I must have seen this because I was just thinking Cole, uh, thinking Cole Trickle, but I don't remember seeing that question. Uh, I, right, that's I, fuck, that's seriously, that's fucking weird.
1: I can give you a film that that, that will blow all of these out of the water. Oh, yeah? Has anybody heard of, and I'm sure you will have done, a great film, a, a masterpiece, if anyone would say. Um, it is 1989 um, Albert Pyons film, Cyborg, starring okay. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. I will give you some of the character names. Right? We uh, have um, Pearl Prophet, um we have Marshall Strat, we have Fender Tremolo, and Jean-Claude Van Damme plays Gibson Rickenbacker. <laughs> yep. that's good. They're all named after amps and guitars. All of the characters in the film. There's all. There's that's all, fucking brutal. There's just that. There's one called Les, and there's uh, the summing in after a sound system, and they're all this uh, cyborg. It is. It's. It's it's marvelous. It's actually it, it, I've seen the film several times. It, it's funny because um, it's a canon film, um, and all of the uh, sets that they've used uh, are just sets that were left over from uh, the He-Man movie.
3: Thirty yeah uh... So it's just
1: broken bits of He-Man set, and my God, does it tell? That's brutal. But it's well
3: worth well worth tracking down.
1: Just the um, sheer
3: fun of it. Nice. Um, I know um, Bond movies got all sorts of stupid names, but my particular favourite is Doctor Christmas Jones. Yeah. Just because it literally the only reason why she's called that is that it is so. At the end of the film, Pierce Brosnan can say, "I thought Christmas only came once a year."
1: Yes. Yeah. It, Fucking terrible that. A, a horribly area in Bond films. Um, We have uh, Ethan M. Barr, Ethan Barr 2 on Twitter. Um, If you were to wear a fake head for the rest of your days, whose head would you choose? I think that's in reference to the fact that we could prank on the last show. Um, I'd go full fucking meta on this. I'd wear Fastbenders because that's going to open every single door.
3: I'd wear Ron Atkinsons. Fucking hell.
1: I think we could both wear Ron Atkinsons. That's
3: true. <laughs> I'd probably wear one of the fucking lead characters from the Planet of the Apes films, to be honest.
1: No, you, you probably fucking would, yeah.
3: Dr. Zaius. <laughs> yes. I'll wear Dr. Zaius' head on me for the rest of my life.
1: Cool. Uh, and the... Uh, oh,
3: Hayao Miyazaki.
1: Isaac, he's got a nice head, yeah.
3: I'll what, there's this HSBC commercial that was about uh, doing the rounds like a year or two ago where it's an old um, Asian yeah. man.
2: And... Uh,
3: well. uh, and um. I always... Like, I, I said to Dom that when I grow up, I want to be that man. Like he... He just looks so fucking happy.
1: Yes, he, he, he looked very nice, didn't he?
3: So, Hayao Miyazaki, Dr. Zayus, or the guy from the HSBC ad.
1: <laughs> cool. Um, and... Um, last question, uh, unless you've got any others of you. No, no, no. Good. Is again from Tom at Very Cinematic. Um... Have you been sued by January Jones yet?
3: Uh, not yet. Uh, people haven't heard this, the, the episode. It only went up this morning. You crazy bastard for downloading it so and listening to it so quickly. Yes, uh,
1: but thank you. Uh, I haven't been sued yet, uh, but I have had to supply some DNA. I sent You didn't poop. have to at all. No, I just, I just, I just sent celebrities just sent her it.
3: <laughs>
2: I do. I label
1: it as a milkshake.
3: Oh, don't. There's only a little bit of blood in there. Oh,
1: my what? God. I was getting dry. And <laughs> on <have> that note. <laughs> uh, anything else to add uh, to episode 66 of At Doing the Monkey
2: Ian?
3: Disgusting mental boilage. <laughs> Fucking you know, hell, Mark. Um, Dudeandthemonkey at gmail.com. At Dudeandthemonkey. At IanLoring. At DudeFoz. Next week, X-Men.
1: X-Men, yes, and uh, Mark and Ian throw shit to eat at themselves, each other. Throw <laughs> <For> shit at themselves?
2: <laughs> oh, 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 it's so fucking warm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Um, yes, so What the that. fuck? Um, right, cool. Um, Thank you very much for
2: listening, everybody. Um, and uh,
1: we shall speak to you next week.
2: Cheers, guys. Cool. bye